0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into yet another, count at fourth solo episode. To recap and preview here on the Dogs Basketball Podcast, I'm Nick Malone. I, as always, usually joined by Noah Lurch. You know, job gets in the way and, uh, you know, it's been a tough go for him just recently in terms of being able to do it at a decent time. We don't want to do it too late and here I am starting it. Pretty late myself, you know, gathering information and getting ready for everything. There's some things that are still yet coming out, like an interview on the Indiana State side. listen to a little bit of it, realize I don't want to do the 10 minutes worth. Retweeted that everybody, check it out. But on this episode, on this Tuesday, the night before we play the Red Hot Sycamores, I will be previewing them along with recapping our tough loss, on Saturday to SLU which we were in attendance for a lot of takeaways from that game obviously had chances I'll I'll dive into it we'll go around the valley we know that us in Indiana State because we're playing tomorrow and there's some other games uh, going on tonight uh, with valley teams you know a lot of nuts you know more non-conference games but some teams are, or every team besides us in Indiana State, are two games into the co- conference season, so I'll dive into those at some point, along with some other stuff. We'll get into uh, like the net ratings, and obviously a Ken update, and everything with those kind of analytics that came out uh, just yesterday, fully net across the whole country. I'll dive into that, uh, and then... A quick thing I have on here for Arch Madness. All session tickets are now on sale. Where people go check that out. I don't know if we retweeted something about it or it's just everywhere for people to know because that's honestly what we'll end up doing at some point, buying those and setting up those dates. Do you find they have a Canard Davis Jr. update? Well, I'll dive into that near the end before I cover other games going around and then our game tomorrow. And a lot of tidbits for this Indiana State matchup. Uh, because obviously, like I said, they're rolling in hot, and we'll even dive into the fact that, you know, we're outside of them beating Drake at home, we are by far their toughest road test this year, and obviously one of their toughest tests overall in general. So, should be a fun one tomorrow. Uh, I'll go ahead and say it now. I'll say it again at the end that I, it'll be hard to, uh, make this game. For me, I will be, uh, Somewhere I'll actually be in Carbondale, but won't be able to be, to be there on time. If I do make it, it'll be at halftime or near the end. I can still walk in and see it. Won't be able to be there for most of the game, but Noah will be there to see it. Not sure if we'll tweet anything, but we'll be retweeting and stuff. So it's all a wait and see. So, like I said, dive into them at the end of this along with other things throughout. So, let's begin with this slew game. It was a 13 point loss. But like I said, there were some good moments in this, and I'll get takeaways near the end, but talking about some parts of this game and some of the biggest, and there is, there's definitely some more known and deserved talk about takeaways in this game than just the typical. I mentioned how we'll kind of do play-by-play most of the time, not all the time, though, but it's notable to start this game that after we let up a bucket to start the game, there were at least three or four straight turnovers, and Brian hinged on this a lot, talking about it in the post-game press conference uh, with Tom Weber at the end, and then in the post-game as well. Uh, we don't know what happened with our jitters to start this game. I mean, it was a nice atmosphere, you know, we got there right on time, but we—they feed off their atmosphere for sure. But we were turning it over, and they were honestly turnovers that, you know, were. You know, kind of unforced in the sense of trying to pass the ball and the guy who's trying to or going to accept the pass look away. So, you at least three of those four were thrown out of bounds. Happened multiple times. Lance had a first one, Xavier had one. I mean, it, it was just we had at least three of them to start the game. Uh, two of them were by Lance, and honestly, Lance came out at one point here to start the game after he had a second turnover. So, not a whole lot. For land, so they jumped, They jumped out to a four nothing lead, and I'll get into one of the other biggest parts of the game for Slu was Javon Pickett. I mentioned to them, or I mentioned on the uh, on the uh, preview that we've known about him forever, going back to high school. He was at Mizzou forever. Now he's at Slu, and he's a stud. He was averaging like twelve or thirteen points a game. So when he did every bit of that and more in this game, couldn't really stop him. He got him up to four nothing. Still had more of those turnovers until it took an Xavier Johnson 3, which, as we know, he was 4-4 four for four from 3 against Evansville. Kind of had a feeling that was going to get him going offensive. I think he had 17 points in that game. He did that and more. One of the you know, best performances by one of our players so far this year, hands down. We'll get into his game. Obviously, as time goes on, an amazing game for him. That's easily one of the biggest takeaways. He had us a 5-0 lead to start the game. After that 3, he had a fast break uh, layup. Even Mar- so we had a three-point lead at one point. Marcus had a layup, and then Javante Perkins, who got in foul trouble in this game, uh, you know, didn't do a whole lot. But he obviously got him going. He had uh, four early points of their six. It was Jawan who came in for Lance to start out with. So we were up by one at the first TV timeout. Actually, before that, Javante. I think this was, or this was an and-one on Jawan when he came in. Perkins finishing an and-one. X hit another three, and when it was tied at seven-seven, now it's ten to seven. Jake Forrester, because I couldn't click on his name for some reason on the ESPN app here, came in for Okoro, who did fine in this game. But honestly, he looked—you know—his game was ugly at times. We were able to, you know, guard well, and he was just kind of slopping up attempts. But Jake Forrester got on the board, and then uh, Gibson Jimerson, which that's one of the other biggest takeaways in this game was. You know, they didn't shoot a whole lot of threes. We'll get into what they did from the paint, an unreal number they had on us in the paint. And, you know, this wasn't our best defensive effort in this game, without a doubt. We talked about how you get the offensive rhythm against Evansville, and it carried over. I remember saying at the end of the Evansville game, like, hopefully this can carry over to this game. And our offense, definitely. I mean scoring 72 points in general, but you allow 85. Granted, Slew almost averages that, it seems like. Uh, but, you know, we usually it's the defense or the offense having to catch up to our defense. And it hasn't been the case the last couple of games. Uh, we know how good of a defensive team we are, but it's important to score. So if you can find that equal ground of, you know, holding teams to not even 60 points, but then scoring at least 70 or so, you've got to find that middle ground. That's what we've been looking for. So. There's that, and all throughout this, I mean, it was it's really back and forth. I mean, they got the lead to ten points at one point after Jamerson made another three. Fred Thatch came in, had four, had a four zero run himself. Uh, you know that was, and to, I mean him and Terrence Hargrove Jr. Like I said, I remember on the, I told you guys on the preview, we going back a long time of knowing about those guys, and they were they were energy right off the bat. We mentioned how Fred Thatch is about six two. 225 pounds, just a bowling ball. He was getting easy, like he was backing up Clarence, he was backing up some guys in this game and getting shots at the rim. And then Terrence Hargrove was making jump shots, which he had a three later on in this game. It was like, okay, yeah, we'll let him shoot threes. Uh, you know, but he was hitting the jump shot. He's really just an inside, he's like a mid-range to inside kind of player. He can hit the occasional three, but that's what we're doing with Acoro in this game, and Forrester as well, kind of backing off him. We were, we were screaming at the bigs to kind of play off let them shoot, let them prove to them that they can uh, make a shot like that. And Forrester did end up making. That's actually the point that he had up here. He had a layup, but he had a jump shot that we honestly let him take, and he was able to take it. Uh, A takeaway in this first half is about 840 whenever we were down by 14. looked like it was going to get out of hand. X got a steal and hit Foster. It was an easy, quick, you know, wing three. Nearly was between it was on the far side of us. We said we had decent seats. Last we bought them on the way there, because we weren't sure if we were able to make the trip. That's why I said we got there like last second. But we ended up finding like twenty dollars seats, twenty dollars tickets. And Foster had that, like I said, in between the corner and wing three, just a quick trigger three. And you know if he gets the confidence in a place like that against a team like that, he needs to play more. And I'll get into it. I mean he, he played a decent amount in the second half. So he made that three. Then Coral matched him with the layup. Javon Pickett was getting easy buckets, and I wanted to say throughout this, you know, first part of the game, whenever they got the big lead, and it was another game where, honestly, when Marcus is off the core, we were at our best, and I'll get to that combination lineup here in a second, but it seemed like every time, and I mentioned Thatch, you know, and Marcus, I mentioned their offensive action as well, they were able to get guys open for threes that they weren't taking, or we were able to get, you know, get to that man, uh, and Brian was talking about how our, our defense was lacking the point of attack at times. And but their action was incredible. They were that's honestly what like the Warriors run. You see what Steph's doing off of screens, and they were they were crossing underneath the basket and they were just rolling off Forrester and Okuro screens that were honestly working to perfection. We couldn't guard. They were beating us back door. I mean, and even Slew's defense isn't great. That's why we were able to score points and execute on offense. But we were able to beat them back door at times in this game. You know, and I, like I said, at least the first 80 to 90% of their points came on shot attempts that Marcus was guarding, it seemed like. And that, we're not trying to – he's our best player. We'd be nothing without him. But you got, obviously find cons in a certain player. And, you know, obviously we've talked about endlessly his defense is lackluster. And that's kind of what it was. He'll have his moments. He'll have a block. He's not the worst defender in the world, but he's obviously – you know, can cost us moments and games at times, we're being honest. But then he can match them on the other end. I'll get to his game. He was really relying on the free throw line in this one. But he had some nice shots at the rim, some nice moves to get to the paint. Uh, but the biggest story of this first half was when it got out of hand, guess who was there to pick us up? That was Xavier. He was – we didn't know who this guy was. He's making tons and tons of threes. I'll get to the second half box score or the first half box score. At some point here – but it's just the fact that every time we needed points on that end and you know we had the typical sluggish defense or sluggish offense that we have Xavier was there to pick us up and granted it wasn't really heat checks like he was coming off of you know coming off screens and he would honestly just be open i think in his mind and it seemed like it was maybe a heat check he was able to save us and i mentioned when Marcus came out is whenever our best lineup and i think i have it here on some of the takeaways, I think it was Xavier, Lance, Trent, Foster, and Cade, I want to say. And I was, we know what we're talking about. Maybe there was some Troy sprinkled in there as well. Uh, but I, I mentioned Foster and Cade because Foster's three. And then at one point in this stretch here, Cade came in and, uh, had a, where'd it go? He had a, uh, well, I'll, I'll get into Clarence a little bit as too. I remember I was just talking so highly on Clarence, and rightfully so. This was probably his worst game in terms of offensively leaving some points on the board. Uh, but Cade had a layup, and he came in and honestly played really well on Okoro. He had, you know, every time Okoro would get it in the post, Cade would, you know, we would have guards kind of, you know, poking at it. But Cade ended up with one ball that Okoro turned over, and just great energy Cade had on both offense and defense playing well. He was. He was rebounding. He was doing his typical stuff we've been saying. He's been yelling, you know, on screens, on defense, boxing out guys, and doing his typical stuff, and he's able to score at the rim. I mean, he's a nice player, as we know. So after Kate had a layup about seven-minute mark, X hit a three, but then – so we we were kept it within 10. Pickett then made a three. Lance came down, made it right back to 10 points, Uh, but you know, I remember saying at one point, it's kind of how it was in the second half as well. We were just matching them too much at points. Cause as soon as Lance made that three, Fred Thatch had a jumper. Clarence had a layup. Pickett had a three. Lance had a layup. Lance was getting downhill. We mentioned Lance's confidence after the Evansville game. They were at times. And I'll get to the, to the stat sheet here. Then it was foul city where we weren't able to get anything. Lance missed two free – or he missed uh, – or sorry, he got fouled on a three. They fouled us on threes a couple times in this game. Lance went one of three from the line there on a foul three. Marcus made a couple of free throws. Yuri finished an and one that Clarence got him on. We had some more turnovers. Okoro had a dunk in transition. I don't know how you block that stuff. Uh, and <clears throat> pretty much all the way out, X made another three. Marcus, a couple more free throws. And then it got us to the end. Perkins was getting some offensive foul calls. That's why he ended up with a lowly game, and he didn't even play a whole lot in the game itself. So we had an eight-point lead, and it wasn't too bad. So after that, we got to. It's funny. Before I get in the stats, we went to get snacks and I, you know, drinks, at halftime, and you know we glimpsed last second because there was, and this was one of the takeaway as well. We remember how the dog pound has been preaching about this game, about a bus and getting students here and such. And we had a really good students or we had a really good fan section in general. We were kind of sitting far away. They have SIU section that they bought probably through the school and stuff. And there was a designated area. We were sitting just any tickets that were the best tickets available and good crowd. And we were standing in line at one of the concession stands and no one noticed. We were all or We were sitting there. We took another friend of ours, uh, and it was just no one I standing there and then all of a sudden he looks up because I'm on my phone probably messing with the halftime tweet. And he said, uh he said Randall Falker walked by and I glanced and saw the back of him and it definitely was him. And it looked like he was headed to his SIU section, which is obviously great. We know that he, you know, he's around, he finished his pro career, he came back last year. Uh, you know, he's he just got in the hall of fame last year, which is just insane. One of the all-time greats, and he was at the game, which was cool to see. We know he's probably in this St. Louis area. We know uh, Jamal is over in Jefferson City and close as well. We were wondering if two of the goats were there. But we did see Randall, which was really cool to see. Hopefully he enjoyed himself as well. Didn't enjoy the outcome, but we saw that at halftime. Now, like I said, eight-point deficit. Let's get into this this first-half box score. Led by Xavier, he had 17 first-half points, three steals as well. We'll get to his final number. He shot five of six from three. And honestly, his only miss was at the halftime buzzer when we got a steal and got it. And he kind of chucked up a half court heave where he honestly got fouled on. They didn't call it. It kind of barely snipped the rim off the backboard. So, you know, that's just how it was falling for Xavier. So that was his only miss, his only missed shot. Because. We remember he had a layup earlier in the half, so 6 of 7 overall, 5 of 6 of 3. We didn't know who this guy was making all these threes because we were questioning his shooting to start the year, and it didn't look the best. But now it looks like, I mean, we'll get to the final number of what he's shooting through his last two games. Hopefully it can remain. It's going to have to tomorrow against a team that can score. We're going to have to match them in scoring. Uh Troy didn't shoot or anything. He didn't only. He only had a rebound and an assist in his stat, but he was working hard against Okoro. Marcus one of four. Uh, we mentioned he had one field goal and other of his points were he was perfect from the free throw line. Had a couple more stats. Six total points. Lance had six as well and two of six shooting. One of three from three. Nothing else. I guess two assists and one steal. Him and X. The both those three. X Marcus and. Uh, Lance all had two turnovers apiece. And then Clarence had four points off the bench, still two of four shooting. I don't recall. I think it'll be in the second half here. I guess I'll just say it because I'm just thinking about the specifics of when they happened, and um, Clarence was missing some easy points around the basket here. Tough matchups for him, obviously. He's been playing great, but he left some points on the board himself. Cade with the one-for-one with the shot. Foster did miss another three, but he drained that one. Uh, he had an assist as well. Dalton again coming in, 0 for 1. I'm pretty sure it was a really. Dalton's kind of you know struggling a little bit. He struggled in the Evansville game. I don't remember the last game he really played well. Uh, You know we had a. Uh, I'm pretty sure in the Evansville game he had a layup, but 0 for 1 in the first half. No turnovers, really. Nothing else. Just 0 for 1. Didn't do a whole lot, and I didn't have the minutes on here on me. Uh, and then Jawan came in, had two rebounds, a foul, and a turnover. Didn't do a whole lot as well. Didn't even shoot. We're we'll all getting him in one of the takeaways as well. Uh, but from the field goal perspective, I mean, they were 20 of 30 from the field. And how many – it doesn't say it on here. It'll say it in different stats. It's a difference between ESPN and, uh, you know, other – like we know the the – SAU app usually has it, but it's tough to screenshot and get into a certain form, so that's why I usually do the ESPN ESPN one. But they don't have points in the paint, and it was ridiculous in this game, but definitely in the first half what Salu was in the paint. 67% from the field in the first half, 4 of 8 from 3. We were 7 of 14, so both 50%. Really good, and that's what kept us in the game, led by Xavier's 5 threes of our seven. Five of seven from the free throw line. They only shot twice from the free throw line. They had they out rebounded us by four. Equal amount of offensive boards with three. They had more assists. We had more steals. They had four blocks to our zero. Both had seven turnovers. Uh, and their largest lead was fifteen. We once had a three point lead. So a lot more stats to go into. Like I said, doesn't have them on ESPN, didn't have them at the time. So I mean, it was a it could have been worse, but again, it was X was the reason why we were we were hanging in there in the first half. Literally, I mean, they, like I said, uh, even when he was making some threes, they got up to 15, and then we were able to turn them over just a little bit. And then X kept doing his thing with his threes. So into the second half now, right out of the jump to make it back an 11 point lead was a Gibson Jimerson three. Uh, more fouls on Javon. After Lance had a layup, a nice layup. I don't think we were to our seats exactly yet. Uh, Javante had another one of his offensive fouls, and we didn't see him again, I don't think, for a while. Uh, And then Troy had a turnover. I think he had an offensive foul. Or he had a moving screen, sorry, I remember seeing that. Uh, Okoro got a steal from Marcus. uh, And Jimerson, another layup. I mean, he was honestly, he was getting with ease. He was getting easy floaters. He was getting in the paint. So he had his own 4-0 stretch here. Marcus had a jump shot, and there we'll talk about in times. You know, in the second half, they were able, We went really small, and it was Marcus against Okoro. And there was a time where he scored on him. Had a nice spin move and scored. Uh, you know, so obviously things were going well for Marcus in that in that matchup, which we talked about, and Lance talked about, and the team did after the Oklahoma State win. You kind of wanted to switch Musa onto Marcus. We you know Marcus struggles with athleticism and doesn't get any more than two six ten and seven foot guys on him trying to guard, but he's able to, you know, use his strength a little bit and get deep in the paint, kind of get him up in the air as being shot blockers and score. So he was he was getting nice, you know, finesse touches around the rim. Trent made a three here. That would then they cut it back to an eight-point lead. Uh Marcus made a couple free throws. Next thing you know, it's six. Jake Forrester had like a nice or a crazy throw in dunk and won't get to Yuri's game as well. He was all over the place again. He was getting really deep into the paint and finding guys. He honestly could have looked to score so many more times. We know he's a pass first guy. And I think we he had a jump shot and maybe made it in this game. I remember saying you got to play off him a little bit. And we saw our guys kind of do that at times. Um, but X was doing a really good job on him. Dalton struggled when he came in on him. Uh, we didn't see a whole lot of Lance on him either. But there was some, we. We switched on things that deserve to be switched in this game, which made sense on their guards. Uh, and we'll get to, like, we mentioned Slew's defense was whatever, but they were honestly – they were staying home is what Brian was saying. And he was right. You know, they weren't doing any switching. As soon as they got guys, they were guarding, you know, Marcus in the paint. Like, Pickett, he was sticking with him, And it seemed like Marcus had a lot of advantages in this game. It should have. Uh, they're just really active. Um uh, you know, their defense is, but they have, though, obviously, have lots of points, but they did stay home. They don't help, they don't do anything. They just, that's what Travis Ford's defense, I suppose. So, throughout this game, after that dunk, Yuri made a couple free throws that X fouled him on. Clarence did make a layup here, so it was back to eight. Uh, Yuri went one of two from the free throw line, X went one of two from the free throw line. Uh Trent got fouled. As I said, they fouled us twice on threes. Lance went one of three. Trent went one of three. So cut it to a five-point lead. And here's where the tide should have remained. We like I said we, you know, held them without scoring for a while. I mentioned, you know, thanks to a couple of free throws. It was after that Yuri missed free throw, which obviously can swing a little bit, could have made it a 10-point lead, ended up cutting it. So then next thing you know, with those four free throws, we're down by five, and then it came down. Xavier was trying to roll off a Troy screen, just had a little bit more separation. It's like, why not? You're already making everything you shoot. And he made it. Cut it to two. That's whenever it got everybody going, got us pumped. Two-point game. The Our, our, you know, our, our SIU section was going nuts. SIU chants were littered throughout the building. It was going pretty, pretty well to this point. It was exactly the 10-minute mark. So halfway through the game, thinking, okay, if we can hold up a little bit, we're scoring now, if we can get some stops. I mentioned the first half you were matching them on offense. You know, Back and forth, you got to get some stops, and our defense just couldn't come through. We were really bad at getting back on transition defense in this game as well. That was a huge takeaway was we'd score or do something. And they would go down and, you know, force it up or, like, you know, force it down our throats in transition that we couldn't get back on it. They got some easy points. Definitely a disappointing defensive game. But after X made that three, Yuri Yuri got an AM one And it was on Lance. He kind of got deep. He was kind of fading towards the baseline and threw it up and banked it in for the whatever. So they so that's, there's three points. Fred Thatch came in, had a jumper. There's five points. Next thing you know, it's already back to seven. And then, uh, or sorry, That's finished an and one. Marcus had a layup to keep us within six. Uh, and then G- Jemerson got deep in the paint, scored. Thankfully, Orokor went one of two from the line. He's a decent free throw shooter. Uh, and I think there was a time in this game. I'll we'll get to it again. Like I said, I kind of mentioned in the, in the first half of like Clarence finishing or not finishing, you know, easy points per se. Marcus had a dunk. Cut at the 9 at one point whenever Thatch kept making jump shots when it was an 11-point lead. Pickett was on fire. He was matching after Marcus had a layup. Pickett was back on the board. Yuri made a jump shot. We were kind of letting him shoot. Lance made a couple free throws that Yuri fouled him on. X had another layup. I think this was honestly the transition layup. He had a couple in this game, it seemed like. Uh and then they were just scoring a whole lot, but before, you know, before it was too late, we were we were down by sixteen. When Yuri made a jump shot before Lance's free throws, we were down by sixteen. So then it was fourteen. Kinda made it through a little bit, got at the twelve, and then it ended up being thirteen on a finished game. Didn't see like I said, Foster was in this game. He missed a three near the end. Uh just seeing it on here. But uh he played a lot in the closing minutes. Didn't see Cade in the first half, although he played really well. And it could have done a lot, especially if, you know, cut it to that lead. Then you maybe think about in the moment, okay, now it's close, really close. You don't want to throw those guys in, but it was already halfway to that point. So I mentioned times, you know, Clarence had a foul. And Clarence, we we have talked about Clarence's spotty minutes. I'll get, like I said, I don't have it on here of minutes played in this game. But, uh, right, I should actually. Let let, let me get back to that. So that's how it finished in play-by-play terms. Let's go to the final box score. Yeah, I do have it here. Clarence played seventeen. I think it's been around nineteen really throughout most of the uh you know, most of the season or most throughout the couple games in the MTE and then against Evansville. Uh it was kind of like that. He had or there were plays whenever Clarence he he got bailed out with a foul when he got it deep into the paint. And we could we got it underneath. They could have called it walk or they were gonna call it I guess just a no-call would have been fine from Slew's perspective. And so we got underneath the basket, and Lance hit him for an easy bat, which I don't think he expected to be that open. It almost seemed like he wanted to dunk it. But then he uh, he just kind of lost it and missed it, and they got it in, out in transition. And then there was another one whenever uh, Lance hit him again. I don't think he expected to be wide open once again. He could have laid it in, or he was right in front of the rim and kind of Barely touched it up, and it hit the front and rolled back, so Clarence left four points on the board, which just thinking about where it was in the game, obviously could have swung things a little bit, especially if their crowd was getting into it and they were making it. I don't remember the specifics, but those were plays that definitely stuck out as well for leaving points on the board. So by the end of it, I mentioned X. He only made one three. He ended up uh, missing another in the second half, but he only made one more three through the rest of the game. Eight of ten shooting, though. Six of eight from three. Uh, five rebounds, one assist, six steals. We talked about Lance had six steals against Evansville, which is, you know, what Lance did. And Xavier's doing an – I mean, I mentioned X and Lance, kind of their chemistry off one another because they're almost the exact same player. But X's ability to do this is obviously pivotal. He had four turnovers, had to do a lot. Him and Marcus led us. We only had 14 as a team, a lot of them inside the uh, – only had two bench turnovers. Most of it was in the starting five. 23 points, though, for X in 34 minutes. Him and Lance led the way. Marcus, again, not leading the team in minutes. He had 33. I mentioned he was did a lot of his work from the free throw line. 8 of 8. 5 of 9 from the field. I meant he didn't make a 3. He was 0 for 3. Uh, and, again, they were, like, kind of open threes. Maybe there was one contestant in there, but, uh, like I said, he was scoring on Okoro, sometimes in the paint. He was doing his crafty self, and, I remember one play, it says he had a dunk. I just recall that we got on a fast break and he hicked it to Lance. It was a two on one, and Lance threw him an alley oop that he kind of dunked. So that was nice, the dynamic duo going to work, you know, together. So 33 minutes for Marcus, 18 points, three rebounds, two assists, a steal. You know, that's actually a nice Marcus game, honestly. But then you got, you know, other. Uh, You know, obviously not getting the total spread scoring in this game, even though, well, I guess those are the two best players in this game with Marcus in action. You got Lance, like I said, 34 minutes, 3 of 11 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3, 5 of 7 from the line, and 12 points, 2 steals, 4 assists, led us in assists. Uh, Trent. Like I said, he had he made one three and then had the three free throws, so he finished with six. Didn't do a whole lot else. He played decent defense, stayed in front of guys like we expected him to. He had an assist. Troy played 16 minutes, didn't shoot, had two rebounds and assist, a turnover, three fouls. Uh, so okay, like most, you know, pretty good production from most of the starting five. I mentioned Clarence's game. Uh, did have a block in this one, though, which I believe was our only block as a team. It was. We don't, haven't been blocking too many shots this year, honestly. I mentioned Cade. Only played four minutes, though. Uh, had those two points. Didn't play in the second half. Foster, 11 minutes, which is more than what he had been getting. Uh, he played a little bit down the stretch in the second half. Uh, didn't do a whole lot else otherwise. But, again, you know, if he can he- hold his own on defense at times and just be in there to shoot, that's all we really need him for. Because, uh, obviously, he can pay dividends. Dalton only seven minutes. We mentioned his struggles once again. Didn't do anything really. He shot a really bad three at one point. Uh, but that's Dalton's game. If he gets confident and able to penetrate and finish around the rim, that's what he does best. And he's really kind of going away with that outside of that one Evansville play. Uh, so he on seven minutes didn't shot three times, didn't score or twice. Sorry, didn't score. Here's the biggest one, one of the biggest ones, and I'll jump into the. I'll go through Slu's box score and then I'll get into the jump into the takeaways. But Jawan, 12 minutes, only one shot, honestly, and it was in the second half. Not saying it was, like, too far out of reach the game was at that point. But he got deep, and it reminded us so much, and I remember saying this to Noah of Steven. You know, Jawan, they're about the same size. They're almost the exact same player to an extent. Steven's a way better shooter. We've learned that Jawan, we thought X and Jawan were about even, or one was worse than the other, but it's known for sure now that uh Jawan is a way worse shooter than Xavier, but we're going to still need Jawan to score, and he had one where he got deep into the middle of the paint and then had, didn't really push off, but he got separation, had turnaround jumper and we said, Stephen, how often can you do that? It's really the exact same play Steven usually does, but he doesn't do it enough and that's the whole point of this Jawan thing. He had two rebounds, one turnover, three, three fouls, and only those two points. And I'll get into him in a second, so I want to read off the stats that he had. From Slew's side, Okoro, 8-5, and five, close to his error. I mentioned he's like 10-10, and 10, honestly, so far this season, 26 minutes. Perkins with those three fouls, almost all offensive fouls, only played eight minutes. Uri, 38 minutes, 4-8 of eight from the field, 14 assists. He was on pace for like 25 or more than he had against Tennessee State. Like I said, he would get really deep into the paint and then just try to force passes, or try to just find guys. And he honestly is doing it at a level that's... I think he'll look to score if it's there. But he was honestly, like I said, passed up some more points for himself. But that's just the kind of guy he is. The epitome of a point guard. Gibson Jimerson did not come out of this game. He played all 40 minutes. 6 of 11 from the field. So he made 3-3. So only three of his shots made were in the paint. It seemed like it was way more than that. Uh, but he was obviously nice. And this one had 15. I mentioned Uri at 13. And then, their biggest score was Javon pickett thirty two minutes eight of ten from the field made both of his threes. I feel like every time we had it I mentioned when X made a three, Javon made a three. Jabon was a definitely a menace in this game, kind of predicted it because he had been playing really well for them twenty three points, six rebounds, so yeah, quality game five of six on the line for him as well, just the pure package he is, and he's got he's got a lot of experience on his side to help this team. He's exactly what they need. He's exactly the kind of player we need, to be honest. And he's honestly a little too good for coming here. He wasn't going to come here from Missouri or something, come to a really good contender in SLU. It's going to pay off for them. Terrence Hargrove had four off the bench. Fred Thatch, 13 bench points, six of eight from the field, four rebounds. Just talk about a minute That's what it was. Sincere Parker got in this game. He was only freshman. I mentioned how they usually go deep. They only went nine deep in this one. Sincere Parker only played five minutes. But he played good defense, and I'm uh, there were just certain moments where he's got a big body. I mean, he's he's got some size to him. He's 6'3", 195. He's got some size, and he, he can wreck a game, it seemed like, even though he didn't do a whole lot in terms of the stat sheet, had a rebound and a block. But I remember actually that block was pretty good, so he was flying all over the place. He'll be good one day. And then I mentioned Jake Forrester, 14 minutes, 6 points, 5 rebounds, did okay. Really good backup big for them. He honestly played better at times, it would seem, than Okoro. Our guys did a decent job on Okoro. So So other than that, I just wanted to mention Yuri's assist numbers. Team stats-wise, we ended up shooting 50% still from the field. They shot 58%. We shot 41% from three. Nine of 22, they went five of 14. We only missed three free throws. That was Lance had two and X missed one. 17 of 20 from the free throw line. 85%. That's getting better as time goes on, which is obviously needed. You can see, and Trent, we mentioned how Trent's probably shot 10 free throws in his whole career. He doesn't get fouled a whole lot, but we wish he would, and we mentioned how there were plays in whatever game it was where he was forced in his own action, like getting to the paint, scoring at the rim. have needed more of that over the course of his career. We know he's a 3 and D guy, but we need Trent to shoot more free throws. That's why at the end of the game we need him shooting. If like, you know, they're trying to get fouls on us to, you know, near the end of the game, if we have a lead and stuff, need him more involved with that. But it shows you when he does, shoot free throws home, make them, made all three of his, but that's a really good number. As a team, on a team that we would seen struggle, we mentioned Marcus's struggles. It's good seeing him go eight for eight. But they also matched us with only three misses. They were 14 of 17. So they matched us from the free throw line almost, which obviously could equal itself out. We got our rebounded by 14. They had six more assists than we did, 17 to 11. We had nine steals. I guess that's six of them for X. They had five blocks to our one, which was Clarence. Had the same amount of turnovers with 14, and we had more fouls. And still, our largest lead because I don't—we didn't lead anymore. The rest of the game, just got within the two. Our largest lead was still three. Theres was sixteen. So, didn't mention paint points again. Don't have that, but it was definitely in their favor. They got a lot of those because again, they only shot five, or they only made five threes, and only shot fourteen. And outside of Gibson, I don't think, and Pickett, not a whole lot of them are going to shoot and make threes. I mentioned Hargrove kind of shot one, wasn't wasn't pretty. Uh, but overall, yeah, that's how it played out. You get it within two. You gotta. We mentioned how these stretches are on UNLV. You had chances to win, but you go cold for a little bit, and you storm back in this one. But you weren't able to still. You know, you would as soon as you scored, you a lot of points on the other end. I think that's the biggest takeaway from a team perspective is your defense kind of let you down at times. And uh I mentioned how. For how my train of thought was going there. Uh but like I said, as a team, it seemed like our defense couldn't catch up to our offense and get it a little better than that. Before I get into more takeaways, I guess let me go into what Brian said after the game. Some quotes. He said, it started with our early turnovers, but for whatever reason, we just didn't start off well in the first half. I thought we played better in the second half and had some opportunities to get back in it. End quote. And Then he was talking about Xavier. He said, he kept us in the game, especially in the first half and we weren't making sh- – weren't making shots. He made some big shots to keep us within eight points and it was good to see him carry that over from the last game continue to see the shots fall as well. We all think the same, I think. It would seem like. He said, uh, and then he added on our defense. Defensively, it wasn't our best effort by any means, but overall, we have to play better to beat a team like Slew, who's a championship team and NCAA tournament team this year. Um, So yeah, it was, we all think the same. You had chances and your defense kind of let you down. I was going to end up you know, saying at one point what Ken Pom is, I guess I can do it after this matchup. It, it moves every single minute of a day because there's games all the time. But we are standing, and I said it in a tweet with our other net step, which I'll get to down the road a little bit. We are 99th, and I wanted to say that because SLU, who is definitely a tournament team, they're 40th currently in uh, Ken Palm. So, again, I'll dive into those Again, as time goes on here, let's let's dive into these takeaways. And by the way, Xavier was NPC newcomer of the week. Great to see. Uh, they had a stat here with let me go find that real fast of when we we'll retweeted of what he averaged in these last couple games here. Uh, I don't think it has averages on here, but he he did pretty well. He averaged a decent amount. He had career high, obviously twenty three in this game, and. Converted thirteen of sixteen shots over two games. So two and and here's the number: ten of twelve from three from X. The last two games, honestly, incredible. You don't see that, you don't see that at all. Almost, it, it's insane. So, great job by X being newcomer of the week. I think there was another uh, SLU women's basketball player who was also newcomer of the week. So we were represented well in that award. So the biggest takeaways of this game were the fact that did have those bad, uncharacteristic turnovers. We can turn it over, but those were turnovers you just don't see where, like I said, you know, the guy you are throwing it to was looked away, and the guy with the ball picked picked up his dribble, expecting just the typical go-through-the-motions kind of thing and threw it out of bounds a couple times. I mentioned, you know, yeah, this is now an offensive emergence for X. I mean, he kind of alluded to that. They talked to him after the game. They kind of mentioned what his routine is, and he said he sticks to the same routine and – You know, he wakes up early. He gets shots up on the gun in the gym. He goes through practice and shoots afterwards. Very determined guy. And I mentioned how he dropped over 200 points and had 130 assists last year. He's just got to get in the groove of what we have going here because he has struggled a lot. I mentioned he didn't even score in the MTE. All it takes is games like this. But, man, I mean, you're definitely not doing anything for us if you're not even scoring. And, you know, we mentioned he didn't play. Like, it's been a rough first, you know, It was a rough first six games for X, honestly. He had 18 total points through the first four or five games. So he's doubled, or, you know, definitely easily doubled that the last couple. So he's had, what, 40 points now in the last two games. So hopefully it gets him going, it gets him confidence going. Like I said, he was kind of talking about it after the game, uh, giving a lowdown of, like, his typical, like, what he goes through and how he gets prepared and what it's like to gel back into this group. So. Definitely his emergence has showed going to need that moving forward. Marcus's defensive liability, I mentioned how they scored a lot of their points early on him whenever he was the main contester, you know, near the rim and stuff. And, you know, like I said, you live and die with your best player, and it, he is what he is. It's just knowing that that was unfortunate. I mentioned the combination, which I mentioned of X, Lance, Trent, Foster, and Kate, I think at one point there, when Marcus was off the court, we were doing better. Uh Cade was really active. You have excellence and Trent, great defenders to match up with you know Foster's ability to shoot and what Foster was able to do in the game. Uh so that like I said, it is what it is. It's just we had to point it out because that was the case early in the game. Uh but the whole team defense is pointed. You know, I mentioned how Salou wasn't a very good defensive team themselves, and it was hard to guard their action. I think obviously they're gonna get fits to a lot of people. We know they play Drake in like a week or so, so we'll see how Drake can play against them at that arena. Uh, but again, you know, when your defense is, I think, I'm trying to think what the best part of our defense is. It's it is point of attack defense. It's on the ball. It's when well, I mean, we were steals machine team. We had nine in this game, six the last you know Lance and then X getting back to back six steals games respectively. That's insane. I think that's whenever we got we got quick hands when people are driving and we have good just I think we just have tough defense, but we're really good in the passing lanes and stripping people. Uh but like I said, I mean oh, as a whole team defense, we're not blocking any shots really. So it's really just the point of attack, honing down on man to man. And just getting in the passing lanes and kind of being menaces ourselves. That's where we thrive best. That's exactly what Brian was as a guard. And we obviously have really good defensive guard play. I mentioned how the best player is not a great defender, but we're a great defensive team. We allowed 85 points in this game, but that'll happen against great teams. And that's what Slew is. We had a chance to win. Uh, I mentioned how Slew on their defense, they were, they were staying home. They weren't doubling. And we saw Evansville double on Marcus last week. Um, uh, And then, honestly, we talked about this a lot, and Noah harps on it a lot about the rotations and the uh, questionable substitutions. It does seem like if somebody can get in a groove or you see Cade, and Cade played, he played four straight minutes. And honestly, like, you can tell when a guy's tired. Like, you can see Clarence and Troy, or sorry, Cade and Troy get, uh, you know, red. And you can tell when they're winded. And it was honestly a good breather for Cade at that time. But then we didn't see him again in the game. So they're like that ties into it along with taking a guy out when it's unnecessary. We mentioned Clarence does not he needs to play over 20 minutes with ease. We mentioned how if they're limiting him or not, he wasn't really in foul trouble in this game. We don't think he's got a nagging injury. You just like think in the offset like, oh, they're limiting him for a certain reason. We don't have JD and we don't have JD and Scotty. We need Clarence to play a lot. We know Troy plays a center, and if Kate can play a little bit, we need Clarence to play a lot. He's one of the most important players on the team. So, But you don't give people a whole lot of run in a certain game, especially the ones that don't play a whole lot or you mismanage Clarence or you do something. We just notice this kind of stuff, and I'm sure everybody does as well. can kind of be questionable rotations. And, again, you're kind of still figuring it out eight games in, but you have about a little over 20 left. And you need to start figuring it out because you're almost halfway through. Definitely need to have it figured out by then, especially tomorrow in another conference game. I mentioned how this was Clarence, probably worst offensive game. Like I said, left about four points on the board, uh, and he's been so good and unbelievable, and he still is. He was fighting on defense. Like I said, he had a block. He had one whether it counts fully. Uh, there was a foul on the ground of Yuri, and he tried to have a you know an extended layup, and Clarence blocked that a bounce. Not sure if that was the one that counted. But Clarence has obviously been great. Just had to point out. Of course, I'm talking high on him constantly recently, and he's and he has his one stinker offensive offensive game, but he still played well otherwise. Uh, And I think, you know, too many pain points in this game for sure. Uh, But I think the biggest thing, and one of the biggest things is for sure, and it's the case, Jawan, he's got to come in. I mentioned he was before the season, whether Noah was on here. I talked about it maybe on the very first one. Obviously, maybe at times before the season. I didn't say it specifically, but I said how Jawan honestly needs to come in and try to be, our third leading scorer. is only averaging five per game. He's averaging four rebounds, 37% shooting though. Um, let me get to, he's only at 38 points on the season through these eight games. And he's been playing a lot, you know, you go through his minutes per game. Uh, let's see. I don't think it says it on here. Exactly. If I can, let me go to the game log and just look in general. He had 12 minutes his pass game. Before that, Evansville 24, 18 in Cal Baptist, 25 in UNLV, 26 Tennessee State. Before that, it was in the 20s, all throughout since the start of the year. And his best scoring game was 10 in the Little Rock game, which was a good indication. He had nine against Tennessee State. So those blowouts, whenever we were just blowing out teams at home is the only time he's getting on the board. Because other than that, it's 2, 4, 1, 5, 3, and 4. Mentioned total of 38. So Jawan's got to be – and he's – We mentioned how the X-Factors, and because he comes off the bench and he's one of the first people off the bench, he has to score. It's what he is in his career, you know, and we mentioned how him and Steven are kind of the same guy. Juwan's more – I think Juwan obviously is more aggressive on offense, but he hasn't been looking for it too often. We talked about in his interview. What was it, before the Evansville game, which seems like forever goes on. It was a week ago already. Uh, He was talking about how he was. it was hard for him to you know, get used to the playbook and get used to the flow of the offense and stuff. And it seems like it's definitely the case. He's trying to get – because we know a lot of guys have to have the ball in the hand, their hands, and once he gets it, though, he needs to attack. And like I said, that one play in the slew game. Other than that, we need more of it. And he's not shooting well from three. Still wanting to shoot it, but obviously if he can maybe step in or create to get a better two-point look – that he should do it, but he needs to average more than just five points on the year for us. If we want to be able to score better and make our bench a little deeper when Dalton's struggling, you don't know what you're going to get from Clarence or Foster or AJ minutes wise. So you just have, you have Clarence off the bench and Jawan and Dalton really only the surefire ones off the bench. So that is what it is, but definitely Jawan to improve moving forward. Uh, now let's finish off with any other, and I just mentioned how I'll get into the, some of the things again, like the rankings and stuff, but Slew is the last team, outside of Drake, Slew is the last team we're going to play that's notable the rest of the year. We mentioned how this game, and maybe at Indiana State, you know, the games against Bradley because they're right behind us and Ken Palm, there's some good conference opportunities, but in terms of overall pure resume building, obviously Slew is the last good one, and we had three really good ones, and we had chances to win at least two of three. I'd say the slew game, because we were down by two, didn't really have a whole lot of command you know, in terms of our biggest lead of three in that game. So I'd say UNLV for sure should have won. Who knows, if against Minnesota, hypothetical at this point. But you had chances, and you got a big one, and I'll get into Oklahoma State. Uh, let me look real fast, actually, where they are in Kempom as we stand right now. Uh, 34th so they're ahead of everybody that we've played so far this year and they're ahead of uh drake they're ahead of uh you know slew and stuff so oklahoma state's sitting pretty and they're projected tournament team they're also five and three on the year though so obviously that win can look great for us later on in terms of other like postseason opportunities if it's not the ncas and stuff but uh that's drake's the best team we're going to play the rest of the year but Like I said, good conference teams. Like the one tomorrow, and I mentioned Bradley, and there's Murray, Missouri State. A lot of good chances, but in terms of resume building, our opportunities are now gone. So now, like I said, those are the biggest takeaways in this game. I'll get into more as time goes on. I do want to talk about what happened around the Valley while other teams were playing Valley games, and we were playing this game in Indiana State. And their butt whooping that was on Saturday when I last talked to you guys on Friday. So Saturday's games: Indiana State killed Miami of Ohio by twenty-seven. We'll get into, once I talk about them. I'll talk about I already mentioned from the start of like the caliber of opponents they have played this year. You and I beat Evansville at home, which I predicted. I thought it was gonna be a little closer than this, but literally right after I posted Friday's episode, Noah sent me that uh, Blaze Bowchamp who, as we know, he was averaging like nine or ten points for them and has been a key cog the last couple years. He is for, I think there was a mutual agreement for him to leave the program, so that's out of nowhere unexpected and unfortunate for them. So they didn't have him in this game. Strawbridge had 17. We held him under his season average and held him shooting poorly. And when we played him, so they don't have him. And they lost by 17 to you and I led by Bowen Bourne's 29 points, five of 10 from three. Again, I think it's safe to say he will make an all Valley team. And I remember predicting him that second, he will carry the weight for them. Big win for you. And I needed that one on the at home. Um, uh, Drake beat UIC at home, mentioned how it could have been a decent, you know, close game, they ended up winning by 13. Decent spread scoring, they, or UIC had four guys in double figures. Drake, though, had Tucker score 25, four, bait from three. Sturge, 13. Roman Penn, 27 minutes, only shot twice and two points. You mentioned the great game he had against Indiana State where he had 30-something, 32. Only shot twice, though, interesting, in 27 minutes, only had four assists as well. Wilkins, thirty-one point, thirty-one minutes, 5 points. Uh, and then Brody, 19 minutes, 7 points. And then Calhoun off the bench. Didn't shoot well from the field. Uh, Mentioned, let me see if he was 7 of 7 from the free throw line. But he had 14 points off the bench. Connor Enright with 9. And then that North Weather with 2. Nice win for Drake. And then the biggest one, which thought it was going to be fine, and it was close at first, Bradley destroying Missouri State on the road. By eighteen, by the end of it, we mentioned how Missouri State, who's now four and four on the year, but kind of getting dogged a little bit, you know, Dana Ford is and the team a little bit. Uh, eighteen point loss, you know, Bradley doing that on the road is crazy. Rink Mass mentioned how he's back; he had fifteen and six. Darius Hanna. so they start that, and they start that again tonight. I'll get into their lineup. They have a nice matchup tonight. They start Mallet, uh, Maliby, Rink, and Darius Hanna. Let me go through that. Malibi is 6'9. Darius Hanna is 6'9. And Rick Mast is 6'9. So three 6'9 guys in their starting five. That won't bode well for us potentially. That's where we hopefully we can see some clearance in there. Then they started Hickman and Dean. Still no Jay Sean Henry. Still doing with the concussion. Not sure if he's going to return yet this year. Uh, Tavanine had nine off the bench. Pop Weather's nine minutes didn't do a whole lot. For Missouri State, they had nobody in double figures. But N.J. Benson, that freshman that's going to make all-freshman teams, seven points along with Kendall Moore was seven. Just un- they shot 31% from the field, Missouri State did. And Chance Moore, 0 of 7 in 18 minutes, didn't even score. You can shout out Bradley's defense and their length in this one. I don't know what's going on with Missouri State. Not getting a whole lot of whatever. They'll be fine against us, though. You can assure that. James Graham's still getting 20-something minutes and not even scoring. So. Uh, or Bailey's scoring has two points, so eighteen point loss for them. That was on Saturday. Sunday's games, Murray State beat Valpo in Valpo at and in, in overtime by seven. It was a it was a really good game, really good effort from Val Valpo. Honestly, Ben Cricky had thirty one and eight and forty two minutes. Uh, let's see here, Quentin Green. Who's a new senior? Had 18 on 16 shots. Kobe King 11 on 15 shots. Only had seven bench points for them. But here's Murray, Jamari Smith 18, Rod Perry projected all newcomer or newcomer of the year and all newcomer team is gonna be. We we said it before the year. It's gonna be a deep choice of people for that this year, and that's definitely true. 30 for Rod Perry though. 10 for Jacoby Wood. DJ Burns six. Kenny White Jr. Six. They only had seven bench points, led by Quincy Anderson, who's their leading scorer on the bench. So, good win for Murray there on the road. And then Illinois State, after they you know hung with and played well against uh, whoever it was on their last game, if I can think, uh, it was uh, Murray. Who they played at Murray, and we mentioned how Murray now has a twenty, or they have a nineteen or twenty now home winning streak, which we played there coming up, so it's going to be hard. Uh, Illinois State lost to them barely in (laughs) overtime, but people were saying about how good they played in that game, and now you play well in this one potentially. Only lost or beat Belmont by 10, and that was led by McChesney, had 25, 9 of 12 shooting. Seneca Knight, who's been scoring a lot now recently, had 17. Kendall Lewis had 11, and Luke Kasupke had 13. I want to say it's their best players going up. Maybe not McChesney, who is one of their best players. Expecting him to drop 25-8. and eight. sure that was unexpected. Belmont, K. Tyson, 10. Freiburg, 10. Ben Shepard doing his part with 23. And Gillespie off the bench with 13. So, and we stayed a nice 10-point win for them at home. And here we are tonight. I'll go. I'll just go through tonight's games real fast. Some of them are going on and I'll get into the ones after before I preview Indiana State. Belmont's up by 24 on Trevecca, a non-D1. Valpo's up by 11 on Trinity. SIUE beating Bradley currently with two minutes left in the first half. Bradley is at SIUE, seven-point lead. Let's look at this now let's say eight-point lead, 33-25. to 25. Led by, we mentioned how Demarco Minor we ran on him, wanted he's got five, Rayshawn Taylor six, and they're getting some nice bench production. We'll see how that plays out when we when we recap this. We'll talk about maybe by the time I'm done with this, the game will be over at this rate. So mm-hmm. halftime, and it's an eight point lead for SIUE, and the Northern Iowa host Toledo, a good Toledo team, who's a four and a half point favorite in uh, in Cedar Falls tonight. So before I get into tomorrow's games and more. I'll move on here. And I'm and Brian was in, in the doghouse and knew there was going to be some information for that. And in general, I mean, some iffy questions or whatever he was asked about. Talked about Clarence's, you know, what he's been for them, how he's a competitor. He mentioned again he's only 19, true sophomore, how big he's going to be for us now and in the future. He mentioned Troy, who's been working his butt off. And even Troy said in an interview recently, him and Brian are close. That get a lot of pointers from Brian defensively, and he's been working his tail off. Uh, he was asked about the net, and and then he was asked about settling for pretty much settling. If you don't get an inside a tournament, what do you do about NIT and stuff? And you know, he said he's not worried about that, which he shouldn't be. Really, you know, he played the games you did recently. I mentioned how most of our key resume building games are out of the way. Now he's just got. Uh, uh, so then you got uh, and there's some other things you mentioned I want to see some bad questions this week for them I cannot lie Uh, let's touch on some other things so then now let's dive into that net update that I that I talked about that you know who's who who's where we are 84th and I mentioned some other teams that are ahead of us Clearly there are some other teams, even if we can go back to, you know, teams we played in the preseason that we know, you know, set us up well, we would like to think for this season. And that is Alabama, who is eighth in net. Uh, Let's see here. I just saw him recently. Kansas State. Well, Missouri, who's undefeated, they are 34th. Uh UNLV is 44th, Kansas State is 52nd, SLU is 56th, Drake is 58th, uh, Oklahoma State is 74th, Bradley is 79th, and we are 84th, and if you're getting some other ones, SIUE is 94th, which like I said, they have that lead, Indiana State at 96, Murray State at 101. Uh, Northwestern State, which I know, they're 111 on here. They have some really awesome wins this year. Uh, let's see. Any other Valley teams in this point of view right here? Uh, you may see teams like Notre Dame down this far. SEMO is 149th. Uh, let's see. Missouri State is 168th. You know their struggles. Uh If you go too far, you'll get into some things. USI is 191. They've had some bad losses since they beat us. They beat – or they lost to Western Illinois and Chicago State. Chicago State also beat Valpo, but they also did them at home. We'll give the smallest previews ever for some of these teams that are coming up after this one tomorrow. Chicago State's one of them, and they'll be the best out of the three that we will face. So there's some others along the way, uh, but I think I'll stop there and net – and if some people that don't know what net is, you know, obviously it ties in a bunch of stats. It ties in, you know, winning percentage, you know, game results, you know, how you how you win, how you lose, strength of schedule, game location, scoring margin, net offensive and defensive efficiency and the quality of wins and losses. So, again, I think a lot can tie into why we're 84th. Uh, a lot of it is our defense. You know, our defense has helped us along the way with only, you know, barely averaging 55 a game, 55 to 60, whatever the number is. Uh, Defense ties into it, but also that can equate out to our lack of offense. So that can, you know, like I said, kind of equal itself out a little bit, scratch itself out. Uh, You know, we have the number one strength of schedule in our conference, at least. So our strength of schedule is not bad. Game location, A lot of them is on the road. Our biggest wins on the road. That helps. Uh, The quality of wins, obviously, our quality of losses, USI, quality of wins, Oklahoma State, uh, even Cal Baptist, too. I scrolled over them probably in the net. We know, you know, Kempom, they're in like 150. They're not obviously a bad program. But that is where they stand. So, obviously, a lot of it, you know. There's some good and some bad that you know scratch themselves off and get to a certain number. We'll take 84, and there was some SLU fans talking about when was the last time we were ranked this high, at least since 2010. And honestly, me and Owe were trying to dial up maybe a win against Wichita in there. We had a win against Slu, and the Barry era that you just try to think of certain certain ones, but not sure if there's really any. Uh, so this is the highest we've been in the net in a long time. And then I wanted to go through some quick stats real real fast of. National rank and conference rank. We're number one, like I said, in strength of schedule. We're number one in end conference rating. Number one against one through twenty-five in the country. And number one against twenty-six through fifty in the country. So they're really the only team that's played a whole lot of whatever we're number two, but we're number twenty-four versus twenty-six to fifty in the country, one twenty and one through twenty-five. Uh uh non-conference strength of schedule, we're number two, which is odd, 66th in the country, in conference strength of schedule, 350, which you know some of the I'm just on some team rankings website that has us a lot of this. Uh some other high ones it has on here for us. First half rating were 53. 6.6 value. There's no doubt about that. Because then you turn around with number 53 in the country, third in the conference. I'd imagine that's behind like a Drake and Indiana State. Probably third, and we are minus 1.9 in the negatives. Number 240th in the country in second half rating. 100%. That's where we've lost a lot of our games, but it's also games like Oklahoma State where we've stormed back. So, definitely not a good second half team, really good first half team for the most part. Two, 53 to 240 difference, and that's eighth in the conference in second half rating. Teams behind us, the final four, are not very good teams. Um, And we're also negative and in conference strength of schedule, which I mentioned we're three hundred and fifty, which I have a hard time believing that. Other than that, though, some cool stuff, and that'll stay updated. I'll be sure to recap that as time goes on. I wanted to go back to net real fast because if you look at our standing, and obviously like our quality of wins, and we are one and zero in quad one, which is obviously key and obviously important. Right, i sorry. I said that for something different. We're one and two in Quad one, we know the Slu and UNLV losses, uh, and then 0 and O in Quad two we're one and one in Quad three, and then we're th- I think the one win in Quad three is Cal Baptist, and then we're three and O in Quad four, which is Little Rock, which is Evansville, which is uh, Tennessee State. So doing well against teams, when we talked about it. it's kind of what we were last year. We're really good against teams below us. We've got to start beating teams that are equal or better than us. But we do have a quad one win, and not a whole lot of teams. Us and Valpo are the only teams that can say that. And it's crazy with Valpo and the struggles that they've had. They beat James Madison in overtime a couple weeks ago. And if I can, James Madison is 40th in net. And let me look real fast to see what they are in Kempom. Doing pretty well for themselves uh, this season, let me see if I can scroll and get on 79th and, Ken, and uh, Ken Palm for James Madison. So, kind of crazy. You see teams like Sam Houston State and stuff on the net really high and stuff. But, all right. So, there's a stats update. I was going to mention some team stats updating. Maybe it's some player stats for us real fast as well. Marcus, through eight games, has 17 a game. We mentioned he only had what five against Evansville and had the 17 here that helped him out a little bit more. Again, Marcus is leading us at every step, but steals that's Lance with two and a half. leads us in points, rebounds, assists. Uh, we mentioned how X with his recent stretch has gotten him up to seven a game now in points, two steals. He's averaging more rebounds and assists, which didn't, didn't really expect that uh, which Marcus Lance and X are the only ones above two assists a game. Clarence averaging 6-4 and four on 70% shooting. Pretty good. And as a team, here we go, 66 points per game, uh, 32 rebounds, 13 assists. And I'll mention some more of these when I compare and contrast us in Indiana State. We'll keep doing those. We did them with football every however many games. We'll do it with basketball a little bit. It's a lot easier and better. We'll get two perspectives in here and two different things when I get Noah in here. I mentioned – all March Madness, Arch Madness, all session tickets are on sale. Now one of the biggest topics before I move on and get into other games going on and then our game tomorrow, there's obviously, I mentioned how not a whole lot of, uh, you know, updates on uh, Kennard Davis Jr., you know. They're playing a lot of good teams, or they're dropping some games. Not a whole lot of information, but we did get one guy's tweet, and that's all I'll go off on this one. I didn't look too deep into any other things of the typical resources I'm trying to go by. John Chukkevich, who is the director of scouting for the DraftExpress.com for both the pros and college and international, tweeted about Kennard. He said, dominant all-around performance from Kennard Davis Jr. Vachon's thumping of Curry, which we know Chicago Curry is usually a pretty good school. Um, he dropped 25 points while remaining cool, calm, and collected versus pressure and finishing through contact. Smart, Some smart reads, emphatic blocks, as well. Mentioned how he's a commit to us, obviously. Uh, that's a great sign. That's the kind of player he can be for a team like that. We mentioned how the Highland Regional Tournament happens every year. Maybe not through COVID, but through 2020. I don't know what it was last year. I haven't been in a couple of years. Uh, Kennard will be there, though. Looking forward to supporting him if you know we'll take off and go to that game. Uh, good to see Kennard playing well. Hopefully not playing well enough to be able to warrant not staying here. That's always just a thought in our minds. You think of worst-case scenarios. Really excited to get him in there. Watch him in person and then get him in here next year. He'll have a heck of a year. We'll keep diving into more of Kennard if we can find it as time goes on. So there's that. And then quickly now, let me go through. I mentioned the games that are going on tonight. Let's go. Let's go through some of the games. There's no other conference games for anybody else. Just us. our game tomorrow because we're the only ones that haven't played two yet. Uh, Let's see. Tomorrow... Illinois State hosts Eastern Michigan. They're six-point favorites. Evansville hosts Campbell. We mentioned how when the guy tried to screw us at the Evansville game with tickets, it was one of those tickets was to that game. Drake hosting Omaha, 19.5-point favorites. Missouri State at St. Mary's. Very hard game for them when they're struggling a little bit. St. Mary's is 13-point favorites. Uh, and then by the time we talk to you guys next, we'll probably be on Friday because we play on Saturday. And one of our three, um, you know, lowly games, and the only game on Friday is you and I hosting McNeese on that Friday, and I'll dive into Saturday's games before we preview them. So, with all that being said, let's now dive into Indiana State. Should be a fun one tomorrow. First home conference game. I knew it because it'd be an hour before, or the same time, just 24 hours before the game. We are four point favorites tomorrow. One hundred thirty five and a half under, over, under. Uh, not surprising, knowing if the analytics take into account a lot of our analytics, you know the ones I kind of read off, along with how we are at home. We've only had two home games this year, six road games so far this year. So it's nice to be back home. Sixty nine percent chance for us to win. I know that's tied into you know they're not taking into account indiana state being eight and one so far this year and i think that's where i'll start is indiana state outside here's their game so far this year they killed green bay to start green bay is one of the worst d1 teams in the country rankings wise that was just to start of the year though before we knew any of that beat ball state by 12 at home look at that three straight home games I will say, though, they did beat East Carolina, who's apparently – let's see what they're ranked now. East Carolina, we know, is in the AAC. East Carolina is 6-3 and three, and some other teams that they've beaten so far. They beat Campbell, who I mentioned plays that. And so they're actually playing right now as we speak. But they're down by 18 to UNC Wilmington. I mean, they beat Toledo and some other teams. They lost to Old Dominion, beat UT Arlington. Decent team, not sure where they are in the rankings. So that was – also one of their – that was on a neutral court. They lost to Kansas City only by two. They beat Drexel by four. They beat Trinity, who foul post-point the night, beat them by almost 40. And they had the huge home three two-point victory against Drake. And then I mentioned how they went at Miami, Ohio, and beat them by 27. So the biggest thing is of why maybe they don't get the respect in this game. And granted, four points isn't a whole lot for a home team, I guess maybe a little bit, even for an eight and one team. But I think the biggest thing is Indiana state really hasn't played anybody on the road, like I said, the neutral court win against East Carolina and then the home game against Drake. Uh, they haven't, you know, they haven't really been tested on the road. And actually they're going to be here for the three game stretch after they play us. I mentioned the struggling USI Indiana state goes at USI. We'll be following that game really closely on Sunday to see what Indiana State's got, see if they don't struggle like we did. It's, but they score a whole lot better, and I'll dive into that again for their scoring. That's, you know, with that atmosphere, you just never know how USI can play. USI's barely played any home games this year either. So we're hoping that they can obviously get some nice wins and how that one won't look too bad for us. And then they go at Duquesne the following Saturday. So... Some and Duquesne seven and one. So that'll be a test. Well, let's see how they are on the road. And that's where they will be against us. So let's dive into their personnel real fast. Obviously, they have uh Corvissier Macaulay. I'm pronouncing that name na- first name wrong. I know he's new. Obviously, he's from DePaul. Coach Sturts knows about him. He's a senior. He was in D2 before he was at uh DePaul the previous two years. Uh and it's safe to say, you know, when you're in the Big East, you're not going to have a whole lot of more production. Played in 29 games last year, and I only averaged six a game, and he comes here and averages 17 a game. 17 points, five rebounds, assist, a steal, 45% shooter, good free throw shooter, 37% three-point shooter. He's only 6'5", eleven. And I remember seeing, you know, one of his shots – um, on one of their highlights he's got he slings it up there and he'll make it like i said 17 a game he'll be the one he'll be the biggest mismatch for us tomorrow and it's tough to know who is going to guard him and i'll just say first because Noah didn't really tell me a dog of the game we kind of just i think he kind of just alluded to the fact of who's going to guard him so whoever's guarding him is the dog of the game for noah makes sense i'll try to dive into mine at the end uh obviously really talented and it's kind of the, the guy that we need. We talked about we could use a cash coupette on this team. That's what A.J. could be for us. That's what Jawan needs to be for us. But we need a 6-5 score to plug into that starting five. And that's exactly what they got, and that's the production that they are getting. Uh, Cam Henry, we know him. He didn't play in a certain game. I wonder why. Might have been from an injury or something. He's averaging 11 and 28 minutes a game. That's what McCauley's averaging as well. 28 minutes a game, five rebounds, three assists, 55% shooting for camp, 70 from the line, 23 from three. Really good mid-range guy who can get in the paint. Cooper Neese, who didn't play the previous game or the one before that, one of the other because he was tweeting during the game. Had I think it was the Miami-Ohio game because he played against Drake. Um uh, Cooper averages ten points a game. He's shooting six. He's shooting fifty-seven from the field. We know how he's not the best free throw shooter for how good of a three point shooter he is. Sixty-four percent. That's the lowest of guys who played who have shot free throws for them this year. Mentioned some key ones he didn't hit in the tournament in the Valley tournament and against us when we beat them at third place at the end of the year last year. Uh, the biggest surprise of all is Robbie. Uh, I think they pronounce it Avila, something like that. He's averaging 18 minutes a game for a freshman. He's, he didn't he hasn't played in two games. Not sure which ones they were. Nine points, five rebounds, two assists. Great assist man, as we know. One assist or sorry, one steal. 63% from the field, 67 from the line, 47 from three. Not sure how many how many he has shot. Let me look real fast. He is shooting. He has shot 19 threes. He's made nine of them uh so as we know he can stretch the floor a little bit he can pass he's one of the guys we wanted for sure and we were so surprised he ended up here he's a problem and he's been starting for them as well so those four top four scorers will start for them uh and it kind of can you know they're really deep in this one I'll get some more stuff here in a second but Xavier Bledson who was up for all bench you know sixth man of the year and stuff uh 15 minutes a game for him, 9 points when he's able to do stuff, 45 from the field, good free-throw shooter. Um, obviously, he's got nice size to him. He killed us at our place last year when we barely beat him. He was the only one scoring for them, it seemed like. Kalix Stevens has started in years past. I mentioned how I thought he was going to start again this year, but Robbie has took that away, and Calix can be an amazing, amazing bench player for them. He's averaging 8-4, and four, shooting well from every single spot. Uh, And then you got Trenton Gibson, who is senior, 6'4", 8 points a game, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. He does it all. He obviously turns it over as well. Him, Cam, and McCauley average the most turnovers on their team. A lot of these guys are shooting really well from the field, though. Uh, Jason Kent, Bradley Trance we talked about, can be pivotal. He's played and all but one of these games, five points a game. He needs to do more than that with the kind of size and body that he is, but he's a really good bench piece for them. He started for Bradley last year. Julian Larry, a menace, 18, 18 minutes a game, five points. Not doing a whole lot else. We know he's a really good defender, though. We saw him on Marcus last year. Could very well see it again. Could also see him on Lance at times. Zach Hobbs, 12 minutes a game, five points. Miller, Martin, and we know Connor, and we have uh, – a. Cade McKnight, sorry, Connor Ann writes on Drake, Cade McKnight averaging a point per game. So as a team, they score 84. And like I said, the, and let's look real fast who they started against Miami, Ohio, or maybe even the Drake game could be a better indication of who they start uh, and that win they had. They started Robbie, Cam, Trenton Gibson, Kent, and Cooper Neese. So this was a game Cam, or this was a game... McCauley came off the bench. I think McCauley's been coming off the bench for them, if I'm not mistaken. So if they start – I had a feeling they started Gibson. I knew that. I wanted to double-check on Jason Kent. So you get that production of McCauley off the bench, that's insane. So if they start Avila, Cam, Trenton Gibson, Kent, and Nice, decent size in that starting five, and then you get the Julian Larrys, the Bledsons, the Stevens, the Hobbs, and the McCauley off the bench, their, their their bench could be a starting group in the Valley, it seems like. So they're really deep, and I wanted to jump into the matchup and the you know comparing teams real fast. They score eighty four a game, and that's what we were going to tie into the fact that they need to play a meaningful road game, and that's what they're going to do tomorrow if they can prove it, uh, you know, finally. And outside of East Carolina and Drake. Played a lot of bad teams. Miami of Ohio is in the 200-somethings and a whole lot of other. They lost to Kansas City, who's a good team. But they haven't played a whole lot of anybody so far this year. So, you know, your stats can be padded a little bit. With 84 points a game, that's a lot. And they have the players to be able to do it. And I was telling Noah earlier that, okay, and I, I can see our stats going up to over 70 a game. If we can score 80 to 100 against the three teams after this, so it doesn't really mean a whole lot. If you dig deep and find who you're doing it against, then it makes sense. It doesn't look maybe as good totally. but uh, So, yeah, 84 a game for them. They allow 69 a game. We allow 62 a game. I know we, we dropped or 85 for SLU against us, we know. But that's still one of the top 20 in the country, it's got to be. But we score 66 a game. Uh, need that to go up, we were predicting around 70 maybe this year. Uh, 46% shooting for us, 48% for them. Rebounds, they average about two more rebounds a game than us. Three more assists as well, and more blocks. You mentioned how we don't block a whole lot. We only have barely two a game. They have barely over two a game, so it's kind of close. And then steals. We, thought, we think we steal a lot. We have 8.9. They have 8.4. So very good overall team. Like I said, Julian Larry's defense, they will get after you. Cam Henry's a great defender. He will get after a guy. He'll guard the best player. I can expect him on Marcus tomorrow. They'll be shaving off a little bit. Troy and Robbie is an interesting matchup. Let's think of matchups real fast. If they start, they don't start Larry. Like I said, they start Cooper, Cam, Robbie, Trenton Gibson, Kent. So I could see obviously Troy and Robbie, if that's the way. Uh it would make sense for Marcus and Kent. I can see that being a matchup. I could see Cam guarding Marcus. Uh, and then you, got, you know, we got to take advantage of their guard play. Bernice is an okay defender. And if Cam's on Marcus, that's when we need a big Lance in X X game. Uh, and who else did I say? Trent Gibson. Not, don't know a whole lot about him. He's new and he's decent. But I think it's the bench you got to worry about. And that's where Dalton's got to be big with Larry coming off the bench. You know, Jawan's going to have to try to match McCauley. That's the kind of – when McCauley comes in, we need a Jawan to come in and be good. Uh, and I mentioned, like, Hobbs can shoot a little bit, do a couple stu- – do some things. And then Larry, I mentioned with Dalton, who else am I forgetting on their bench already? Caleb Stevens, that's got to be Clarence written all over it. Hopefully, We can see Foster and Cade in this game. Uh, so, yeah, and we said the deeper we are, the better we are. We were better when Cade and Foster were on the bench or in the game the other night. So – that definitely is huge. So we need to get deeper in this game, and the matchups can play themselves out. I'm expecting that to be the case, you know, in terms of who they start, who they have come off the bench. Can't really expect any differences for us, I wouldn't think. Um, and I mentioned some with Indiana State, where they are in Campom and Net. I kind of went over it earlier. Let me go back again because I forgot. They're 96th and Net, and they are – 114th in Ken Palm. So, again, like their stats, they're only 96, only 12 behind us in the net. You know, their Drake win helps them a lot, which is a quad two win, I'd imagine. Uh, you know, so, you know, they're not doing too bad. So we'll see how that goes for them as time goes on. Uh, in terms of, like, where they can go. If they beat us, you know, Bradley will overtake us for sure. If they lose to SIUE, who's – let me look at SIUE, their Ken Palm uh, – Not sure. Oh, 215. So not great. So Bradley really can't afford to lose that game. We'll see. Um, OVC will be interesting this year, as we know. So um, I think that's it. They posted a Josh Shirts interview that I retweeted and get a chance to fully listen to the 10 minutes. I'm sure they dive into a lot of stuff. But I wanted, before I get final thoughts, I wanted to. jump into Harry Schrader talks to a lot of people. I thought it was on his podcast. I listened to a tidbit of it, of a video he posted on Twitter. He was talking to uh, their play-by-play radio guy, who's who's obviously – he does a really good job, and he was getting information. Things that stuck out to me was he he said they usually play – not a whole lot here, but kind of watch the whole thing. But said they played 11 guys, and I went through some of the things there – Uh. And I, and I went through some of the some of the stats that they uh, – the guys they bring off the bench, some guys don't play. Maybe that's due to injury. Maybe they rest certain guys, which is interesting. If they did do that, I mentioned Cam and Cooper haven't played. They play eight of the nine. But they do get deep. And I mentioned Calix, Julian, Hobbs, Bledson, and McCauley off the bench. That's around nine. They can get up to 11, which I mentioned some of those other guys near the end of the bench. So he says they don't always go with 11. But most of the time they can So that stuck out Because we said we're not very deep We have to get deep I mentioned being deep against Evansville At the start of the game when it was back and forth It definitely needs to remain that way in this game And then Another thing that stood out in in that interview Was him mentioning Josh Schertz and Drew Valentine's Relationship He said that Schertz went up to Chicago To talk to Drew To talk to each other about Drew taking Josh's offensive philosophy, which, as we know, I don't really recall. I didn't hear him talk about it or what they are. I think they're, like, ground and pound you, and they're really spread. You know, that D2 kind of offense, they kind of spread you out a little bit and then attack, like, seams and attack openings. Got to look at it again, and I'll, we'll see it tomorrow. Uh, but Drew wanted to and loyal Loyola struggling, which is funny that everybody's been talking about it. Um, wait till they get the, wait until they get into the play of that conference, which is really deep, and there's some bad teams there. But and then Josh wanted to learn from Drew's defense, so they he said that they built a really good relationship and got together to pick each other's brain and what you know they and uh, what they want to do this year and how they want to improve on both ends. So I found that very very interesting. So if we can expect Indiana State to not only score with their typical offensive philosophy for that they can hold some teams down, which we've been better offensively lately, but we definitely need to be, we've scored 80 and 72 the last two games. So it's a good start. We'll see how Indiana state's defense is. And if he took a little bit of that true slash Brian slash Porter Mosier, you know, defensive philosophy, which hasn't really paid off for either of them. You know, Oklahoma's kind of struggling and, Loyola is, and I guess you could consider us in in that offensive regard and our defense taking a small hit now. So I feel that was very interesting, and we'll see how that plays out tomorrow for sure. So that's what all I got from all of that perspective. I mentioned we're minus four. I could see us covering, but it's going to be close. I think that's honestly a perfect number. I can see Indiana State plus four, but I'll stick with us winning by four or more and, and the atmosphere, and they're wanting to get the students there. It's probably the last game before you – know, I don't know how many of them will show up to those final three games, but if you get them at that home game, or if you get them at that one game against Indiana State, it's all wait and see to see how the atmosphere can play into this game and such. So I'll keep us minus four, and then um, cut us to win. and Noah mentioned whoever's guarding McCauley off the bench – has to uh, – I could put, I could see Clarence on a little bit. You never know. And a lot of things don't play out. We'll have a team total team defense, even though we didn't see Trent kind of shadow uh, Gibson-Jefferson on Saturday. And that's what I kind of alluded to. Hopefully we did see not really a four-out one in, but something along the lines. And that wasn't totally it. But it seemed like he was doing that. And then uh, to whoever guards McCauley off the bench, I agree. If we're talking people in general – I think it's it's easy to go with Lance and them again because, again, if, if Cam Henry and Larry and their best defenders come in and guard Marcus, got to get some guys open. I'll go with X because if he can continue this and score 15 to 20 again, it's not always a guarantee. I'll say 10 to 20. We have a good chance to win. We just need more production on offense. Jawan's got to be big. Clarence's got to keep doing his thing. He's got a freshman on him, not too far apart in age. Robbie's really skilled. Calix can be a tough matchup for Clarence. Just need those guys to we just need to score. Foster coming in, shooting, Kate coming in maybe against, you know, they just have Calix and Robbie. You know, they're not the biggest team. I mentioned how at the start of the year had a feeling they could be good and be a sleeper. A lot of people feel like they predicted that because they're so versatile. And that's what they're gonna be. So we gotta rebound in this game. That'll be something. But they're not very big in terms of, you know, Robbie is six eight. 6'9, Kalix is 6'7, but they got so many players that are between 6'3 and 6'6. Six, six. So that's the kind of ground and pound team they are, and they're confident right now off that Drake win. If we can beat them, be two and zero ourselves, because we don't have the easiest, you know, conference schedule into the new year. Uh, you know, at the, at the end of the year as well, that one at Murray State, which I think is our next conference game. So desperately need to Get off on the right foot here and show them, and you know that they have to beat, you know that they have to beat a really good team on the road finally, which they did on a neutral and at home. They got to prove they can do it on the road, so we'll see if they can do it. Uh, so I'll go with anybody to score. So we're not going to do specific players. We'll just pick as a team whoever guards McCauley and the team defense, and then whoever can score to help the cause and be able to match them offensively, because that's I think the best way to win. Because I definitely think Indiana State can come in here and win. With that philosophy, if we can get a good crowd tomorrow. I mentioned how I will not be able to fully be there. Uh, I'll try to be there in the second half. Maybe I got plan- other plans at Carbondale that I have to make for family, but I will try to get there. Noah will be there best he can if he can make it after work. And like I said, we'll be retweeting and stuff, following everything to that point. We'll retweet interviews tomorrow. It's a big game. Before we play some bad teams and get our record up a little bit, hopefully we need this win. It's one of the biggest wins of the or biggest games of the year so far, without a doubt. So looking forward to it. Hopefully to watch half of it tomorrow. We will come to you guys on Friday before we preview Alcorn State and recap this game. Hopefully it's a good one. Looking forward to it. So until then, and until next time, go dogs.